If you go to a pub in Ireland, you have to have a song. And if you don't have a song, you may as well not go to a pub at all. I've changed the Murray, by the way. So if anybody wants to buy me a Murray, well, I'd say Peroni as well. Good evening and welcome to Four Blades in the very joyous pub this evening. Uh, we're, we're sat here on Zoom after what can only be described as a once-in-a-lifetime potentially victory at Old Trafford last night. Out of blue. And before we go through the formal introductions, obviously I'm John, but Ian, you've got a very, very serious message to read before I obviously bring in Philip and Daniel to the conversation this evening. Would you like to share that message with the listeners? Of course. It has been brought to the pod's attention by a social media that one of our members has been accused of consistently making disparaging remarks regarding the footballing ability of Sheffield United striker Oliver Burke. The member would like to place on record his admiration for Mr Burke and his ability to run fast. He would also like to strenuously deny likening his first touch to that of one of the animals at Graves Park Rare Breed Centre. There will be no further comments at this time and he will not be taking questions. Thank you. Comprehensive, Ian. Thank you very much. Um, and moving on, obviously, I've already said I'm John. You've said hello to Ian. Good evening as well, Phil. Good evening. And Dan. Hello, everyone. So, what a victory. Where better to start than with you? Um, well, I'm obviously the only one I think out of all of us that didn't actually see it because I, I don't have BT Sport uh, and I didn't make a great deal of effort to source it out anywhere else because I expected it to get to get hammered. So I, I made a conscious effort to avoid it completely. So left the phone upstairs on the side of the bed, came downstairs, watched a, watched a bit of telly um, and didn't know the result until I went to bed about half past ten. By which time my, uh, my phone was glowing like it had been to Chernobyl and back um, with messages. Obviously a lot, of, a lot of chat on the group. Uh, but also a lot of uh, a lot of tweets calling me out, basically calling me a knobhead um, for, for writing us off before the game. So um, fair play, I have to hold my hands up to that. I, like most people, I think expected us to get a get a doing last night, even before I saw the team. And once I saw the team, that that view was only reaffirmed. But I'm quite happy to be uh, to be wrong. I don't think I've ever been as happy to be wrong. I've got to know, Dan. What was your initial thought when you picked your phone up and went, "What?" Well, kind of... I kind of saw. Obviously, I think I had you know 170 odd WhatsApp messages from from various groups and 40 odd mentions on 40 odd on Twitter, and, and I thought mentions on Twitter. It was that that kind of threw me. I knew there'd be a lot of chat in the group. I kind of clicked on, and, and as I'm scrolling through, and I could see various things, and. I kind of had to look at it a couple of times. I kind of I had to look at it a couple of times, and then I saw Ian Bryan's photo pop up, and I was like, "Hang on, am I, am I still asleep? Am I still on set here?" And, and I've kind of I've, this is this is all part of some sort of elaborate dream. But yeah, genuinely gobsmacked, absolutely gobsmacked. I think we all were. Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't know if anybody had got the bet. What odds, seriously, would you have got on Sheffield United to one Kian Brain and Oliver Burke to score? Well, based on the amount of stick I've had on Twitter today, there must be a lot of rich blades out there because there's a lot that apparently saw that coming. 
<laughs> the amount of stick they've given me, they, they kind of saw that coming. So there must be some uh, some very wealthy blades today. Well, my my good friend Nick, um, at well, it says eleven minutes ago. So can only presume it was about quarter past seven last night. Tweeted Sky. Request a bet. Manchester United versus Sheffield United. Keen Bryant have one plus shot on target. Sky request a bet. Replied to him. Thanks for your request. We're afraid we can't offer a price on this occasion, but please see our other selections. So Nick replied to them, but to be fair, it is like printing money in it. Completely obviously thinking, well, they aren't got a clue. Don't know why they're not offering any odds on that, etc., etc. And it was him just having a laugh. I think he was probably just going to put a quid on it or something. The fact that Keen Bryan scored would have been more shocking for me if he didn't look a completely assured player in the 15, 20 minutes before he did it. Ev. It was one of those things. I had a bet before. I had a fiver on Bruno Fernandes to outscore United and I had a fiver on Man United to win, be winning after 15 minutes because I just thought it'd be carbon copy of Old Trafford last season, early goal and the rest. Um, the, the lineup didn't inspire me with confidence and the front two, Dan, I know you were in agreement with me on this, it just seemed that we weren't going with some pace when we were obviously going to be It'd be stuck in, but man, what a performance from start to finish. And we can talk about everyone in the team. Phil, who really stood out for you? Uh, I mean... Oh, some of the people in box thought um, John Fleck was everything that he's not been so far this season. And you could say that about so many players. We were just... To a man, we were just immense. And it was the kind of performances that were the back to the walls performance, like Brentford the season we got promoted and Leeds first half at Ellen Road when we beat him. It was kind of like that. We were just, I mean, I'll be honest with you, there was large parts of the game I didn't see because I couldn't watch it. I I had to go somewhere else because I just, I was that nervous and and that kind of on centre hooks. But at no point did I really think well, they're going to hammer us here because they just couldn't get through that wall. It's, it's weird I, to say I, about the Brentford game, Phil, because that was the sort of... I've not had that feeling since watching United. So if you think about last year in the Premier League, never really had any games because we, we almost got the survival business done so early in the season. There wasn't anything with that... Um, you know, with something hanging on it. And then obviously I was always confident we'd beat Ipswich in that last home game because they were crap and we were really good and I just knew it was going to happen that day. Whereas with 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 like that last night, didn't expect anything. But to go 1-0 up, the longer that goes on, the more you feel like you've got something tangible that you're going to lose. And every attack, you know, and you're kicking every ball and it... I end up doing that, which I think we've talked about, we all do when we watch tight games, is breaking it down into five-minute segments. I was like, well, we'll get through the first five minutes after half-time, right? We're not conceding an early goal. They're going to probably bring on some players around 60 minutes. We get through that, and all absolutely wonderful. Like to a man, and it it was just fantastic to watch. I, I found that first 15 minutes really difficult. 
and probably more difficult than the rest of the game. Because for 15 minutes, I think the legitimate concerns, and I think, Dan, it's easy to be called out after the event. Dan expressed a view that many of us probably held, but probably didn't put as publicly as Dan did before the match yesterday about the team selection. But that first 15 minutes, I was really worried about it because the ball wasn't coming out. The ball was coming back. We were on the back foot. They had that, I think they had that chance from from Rashford. Um, Yeah, we were defending resolutely, but the ball, there were one or two aspects in that first 15 minutes where we were were bringing the ball out and just let, let, it was coming back too easily. And it made me worried for a little bit. But actually, and so many people said it, and they were right. It was screaming out for Ollie Burke, yeah. because the amount of times they were pushed up to the halfway line, and I mean Billy Sharp had a thirty-yard one-on-one at one point and and ran out of pace, didn't he? Just well, kind of anyway. Yeah, I honestly think Burke would have caused some problems in that first half because of the way that they pushed us back so yeah. far. And the defense was sat so high. But then we got to that point where we got the goal, which will no doubt come on to in the the, the right or wrongs of that goal, depending on your club viewpoint. But that then just seemed to settle us. And actually, we started doing for the rest of the game all the things that actually identified us as Sheffield United. You know, that, I think that relaxation, we, we were better at bringing the ball out. We Our shape that we kept for the whole of that match was tremendous. Yeah, it was. And it was just... We, we, we talked about it for weeks. We talked last week, didn't we, about players who we thought didn't have a future. There's players who went out there and we saw them playing how they were at the start of last season. And we haven't it's seen that now. Them three, brilliant. Yeah. No coincidence that you mentioned Flake, Phil, but obviously I think it'd be unfair not to put Norwood into that bracket because they would do what they did John Flake, Ollie Norwood, John Lundstrom, things last night, particularly Norwood. I think it was only in about the, towards the end of the game, the 80-odd minutes, he, and he didn't, it wasn't like a mistake as such, but he just took one too many touches trying to maybe, I think, I don't know if you remember, he was trying to get the ball under control, but then he actually ran into think it was Pogba and somebody else. Uh, but literally apart from that, he had a flawless game. And I thought it was interesting watching the match, how, vocal Wilder and Neil were last night and the amount of praise they were giving Norwood because it was almost like we were were that far in the pivot is always going to be vital but we were able to break really regularly and and that was largely due to the fact that he was available in the right space and the and the right ball was then played out and how often that's happened this season well it's just not happened enough and he was just fantastic and we talk, like you say, we talk about the goals, Ian, but like so many performances on that pitch, like Baldock being out of the side for how many games, comes back in, is absolutely fantastic. And again, up against, like we're, talking, we're not talking about anyone, we're talking about world-class players he's playing against. Jaggy Elka's performance, ridiculous. Ampadu, who's been peppered with criticism by sections of our fan base and by us on here, has been the epitome of somebody who doesn't care. Looking like an was intercepting passes that he had no right to be able to read from the likes of Pogba and Fernandez. I, I could go on about it all night. I was just they were just fabulous. 
Just it's pick it up in your point and know what... Ampadu. Sorry, Ian. Mention Ampadu. I just think he's found his position. I think he's... He's not simply, a midfielder, is he? Simply not a midfielder. And the, the, I don't think there's any coincidence that we, we're now on a run of winning four games in five. Yep. Where we've got Ampadu settled in that position. We've got a midfield three that's looking a little bit more settled again. But you're right, Ampadu's had some stick from me, no more than no less than anybody else, to be fair. But he looks every bit the talent that we thought we were going to get last night. He was very, very good. I, I would agree. I, it, it was like you say, it was the interceptions, as John said. The, the, Man United were, were trying everything. They were trying to switch plays. We were reading and intercepting so much last night while still keeping that shape. Ampadu intercepted the ball, kind of not far off the edge of our box, ran into the middle of the park with it. It opened up. He kept going. Opened up a bit more. He kept going. He ended up getting tackled by Fernandez about 30 yards outside there, outside from their goal. He yes. just kept going and going and going. And, and it was kind of indicative of his performance last night that, that, that that's the kind of way he played, wasn't it? Yeah. I thought the, the other points about Ollie Norwood's interesting because that's the, like you say, that's the shout you could hear loud and clear on the TV. The, the shout of Ollie Norwood, Ollie Norwood. That's it, Ollie. Norwood, Norwood. And it was, it was, it seemed to be every few seconds, even, you know, from the Wilder and Nil on the touchline. You know, they were in reminding the players he's there now. He's using it. Use him. My my favourite shout of the night. I don't know if you picked up on it or not, but quite close to the end, John Lundstrom's running, kind of walking away with the ball at his feet. Um, they'd won a free kick quite close to their corner flag, and he's obviously wasting time just walking away with the ball at his feet. And it flashed to Wilder really quickly, and as it flashed to him, he's gone, John, you've been booked, you dick. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I did think that was. Uh... It was quite weird, the Lundstrom yellow card, because at the time I was like, yeah, it's dangerous, but is it dangerous enough to get a yellow? Like, it was early, wasn't it? Was it like the first 20 minutes or so? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, that, and, and in itself, like, I don't, I've been in the anti-Lundstrom camp many more times than I've been in the positive Lundstrom camp, but, like, we've got to try and give him a contract. He's going to be real. I mean, Dan said it. Very, very early on, he's going to be a really hard player to to replace, and it's it's spot on. I mean, you can't buy buying physicality and just someone's fit in the system because the problem with buying a, a, an all action like tackling midfielder who can actually play a bit, let alone score, usually midfielders they're just a yellow card machine. I mean, London picks up his fair share, but I'm thinking of like. A championship version would be something like Ben Pearson at Preston. Start Pearson would cost you 10 million, and he doesn't have the goals like Lundstrom does. So, to get someone who can do the physicals, oh, it's, it's not worth thinking about. But he had a fantastic game. One thing well, I just on that, I think Pearson's going to Bournemouth, isn't he? Oh, I didn't know. Which I think right. an interesting sign. And I saw, saw Bournemouth link with him last night, and I thought that was an interesting move because I'm not sure he's, he's that player we'd look at to get out of the championship, but is he the next let you know, to, to have in the squad at the next level? But yeah, just we'll aside on that, we'll have think we'll have cook it. We'll have cook man if they if they need to get rid of midfielder. Yeah, if they're going to be a bit more solid, we'll have that Brooks kid. He looks all right. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not bad in from what I've seen. Uh, here's one for you, and I wondered if you could we could answer it. And I think it's I was listening to Blades Pod this afternoon whilst doing my work. The nine injuries. Who are they? I've only got seven. 
Now, probably going to have missed like an obvious one here. Who's your seven, John? O'Connell, Osborne, Robinson, McBurney, Stevens, Berger, Egan. Oh, Rodwell. So I need Rodwell. Four. Jack Robinson. Not Robinson, mate. Oh, sorry, I didn't write. Sorry, I didn't hear that. Well, Max Lowe. Uh, did you get McBurney? McBurney. Max Is it one of the keepers? One of the keepers. Berrips is injured. But then, right, that's your nine. I saw someone say, I saw someone say they say Verich was injured, but it was, it was quite interesting. He said last night, I mean, in theory, we actually only had three on the bench last night. Didn't yeah, we? He, said, he said Moose and Lowe could have only done probably 10 minutes apiece, which, which was my question because I think I put on the group last night. He doesn't trust Lowe when he brought Bogle on and put him on on the left side, you know, because obviously he's playing him, playing him on the wrong side. He did it very well when he came on. But, well, that was my thought when I saw the team. When he saw Keen Bryan moved into left wing back, I thought well, this this is odd. You know, he brings Max Lowe in and doesn't obviously for some reason doesn't doesn't fancy him. Obviously, it turns out he's turns out he's injured. Um, so that you know that that's fair enough. Um, I have to say on the subject of Keen Bryan, I know he's almost become not like a not like a not like a joke figure, a figure of fun. That's wrong. He's he's almost become like a bit of a um, a bit like a, a bit of a poster child for how. How, how stretched thin the squad is and how, how we're not doing well. But I actually don't think he's let us down this season. Obviously, I can't speak for last night. Scored the goal. But every time I've seen him this season, everyone's gone, fucking hell, Brian's playing. Don't actually think he's done anything wrong. I think he, he made him okay every time he's played. He? For the corner, a bit of a soft challenge to edit out for a corner when he probably could have done better with it. But you're right. I think he's, he's looked every... I'd, I'd arguably say he's been better than Max Lowe playing at that position. I'd say he's been better than Max Lowe and I'd say he's been better than Jack Robinson when he's played left centre-half. Yeah. And you could argue, is is he benefiting last night from Ampadu being more settled in that position as well? So that left side, like you say, up until he went off, looked very secure. Again, like I say, obviously I didn't see the game, but he's possibly benefiting from that and possibly benefiting from that little kind of left side triumvirate. Fleck finding his mojo a bit, because that's going to affect... How Fleck plays in that position is going to affect the, the centre half behind him and the, the wing back to the side of him. So if he's found a bit, is he, he, what I would say about Brian? I think he has actually played left centre half more than he's played left wing back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. In the past, when we've seen him, and we've, I remember the last couple of pre seasons, uh, people were thinking, "Oh, he looks all right." If O'Connell got injured, it's not end at world. And I mean, I pulled a face as I've just done there. Uh, I think it's no. No surprise that like they players around him playing well, but we've probably never seen him fit. This is the longest he's ever been involved with the first team. Uh, even though he's he's been coming on in the last couple of games, much to a lot of people's disbelief, actually. And Brian, like you say, having Ampadu there who had a very good game, Fleck having a good game, and, and it just breeds confidence. And maybe we're going on about it on the commentary. I'm sure it was even louder. In, in the stadium where they were sat last night. It wouldn't surprise me if Jagielka just marshalling probably a bit better and louder than Egan does. I'm like, I don't, I'm not, it, it might have had something to do with it as well. And the, that sort of everyone knowing the roles, not to mention as well, in terms of our usual, if you look to our, I, I haven't seen this, but I dare guess that if you look to our average position heat map, we'd probably be 15 yards deeper particularly the fullbacks than 
as an average position than where they'd normally be, which means it probably played into his strengths a bit more. But what impressed me about Brian was the quality of his delivery. Yeah. Well, but, really but the good. Is, but the question is, assuming obviously, even with last night's result, we're probably the, the odds are that we're still going to go down. So we're going to be a championship side next season. Do you move Brian on or do you keep him as a squad member for next season? It depends on, on what key and Brian you get. On last night's hour that he played, uh, he's certainly handy to have around because he can play well, to the positions. If, if we assume, like we say, he's possibly benefiting from being around the squad, being fit, being involved more, playing more games, then in the championship, you would imagine he's possibly going to, you know, possibly going to get even more games with with the kind of demands on the, you know, the, not to sound old Nigel Adkins, but the Saturday, Saturday Tuesday, Saturday Tuesday. He's possibly going to be a... No, I'm sorry about that. Um, it's possibly going to be a you know a useful a useful uh, body to have around. I would agree. I mean, it, it's it, with O'Connell coming back, we've got strength in that side. I think is is you know Robinson is a championship player, but actually, Keen Bryan's got a chance to say and put himself ahead of him in the pecking order. Osborne's got that utility aspect to him. Low, still jury's out, but again, a drop drop in level. Well, that's where he's used to. Add Norrington Davis into the um, and, yeah, Norrington Davis, you're right. Yeah, actually, yeah, year as well, haven't you? So there are there are options at that in that position, aren't there? You, you'd think that some of that is going to be moved on. People like Robinson, I can't see being here next season, wherever yeah. we are. I don't think uh, Wilder fancies him, does he? No, just, I don't. Even, so. even when he's fit, I, I just don't. I think he's whatever he's seen in him, he doesn't doesn't completely fancy. Can I ask what what did you think to Ramsdale's performance last night? After he, after the the non goal, absolutely fine. It was the best he'd played in ages, and I think you put something on Twitter today, Phil. He had a lot of time with the ball in his hands, which would look like routine stops, some of them, but like claiming free kicks. And he he seemed more assured. Lots of things were sticking to him last night that they haven't. So shot directly at him in other games, particularly ones where he's maybe had. had made a mistake or something that then comes out of his hands and he has to jump on it it was he was catching a lot more and he seemed to grow in confidence and again I don't know how much that is having somebody probably again no evidence of this but I imagine Jags talked him through that 95 minutes every five minutes the right goalkeeper all that and 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 I think I think leadership helped I think I can pinpoint a moment in the game where he started to grow in confidence. The goal, I think, I, obviously being a goalkeeper, I'm going to say I thought it was a foul uh, by Maguire. And I think that that would get given 99 times out of 100, even if it goes to VAR, because he's he's affected Ramsdale's movement. However, a confident keeper would take that, take the ball, take the player and everything, and it wouldn't even be in question. But he made a save in the first half. I think it was in the first half anyway. A shot directly at him from distance, and he caught it out with his hands out in front of him and just sort of stood in position with the ball in his hands. Caught it as clean as you like. And that's the sort of save that a goalkeeper makes when they're low on confidence that makes him think, well, that were all right. That felt good. And it starts to grow from there. And I think on the back of that, the save that he made from the free kick from Rashford was a lot better than he was given credit for. Whilst it was straight at him, it was dipping and moving and he held on to it and then took a corner or took a cross late on in the game, really confidently out high, big call. You heard the call. 
sat on it, sort of sat on the ball afterwards as soon as he'd kind of dropped to his knees. And it just, it smacked to me that he was growing and growing in confidence as the game went on. And that's exactly what he's needed for a long time. I, I, listening to commentary last night, I thought they were waiting for him to fail. Uh, yeah. Sutton, Sutton and, F- I'm not calling him Fletcher, Darren Fletcher. Fletch. Um, you made Fletch. He's Bellend. Fletch, the Fletch, uh, yeah. Oh, it's just Savage and Fletch, all that nonsense does my head in. Anyway, them, those two were waiting for Ramsdale to fail. Um, you could sense it in the commentary. And there was even a moment, I think, was it, and I could be wrong, was it a, was it a, a tele shot that just went over the bar or clipped oh, the top of the yeah. bar? Well, it looked like and it was great deep. It looked like it had deflected, yeah. Yeah, and and they said he, was, he wasn't near that. He got it covered. And it was like you said, they were, I think they were, it was as if they were trying to find a negativity in there. I thought he'd got it covered from the angles I watched out. And yet they're going, oh, it would have beaten him that. And it's like, well, no, don't, well, don't, don't, don't just draw him down for the sake of it. And that's, that's what a lot of blades do. We, we, look for the, we look for anything that we can just pinpoint to pull players down. And it, that, that annoyed me last night because I agree with Phil to a large part. The, the goal aside, and I'm I'm not in the keepers' union. I would say, and, and I get frustrated that something like that is given as a foul. Either way, you know, not in a match because I think, but in the current climate, players jumping like that, you know, slightest impediment is a foul. I get, I get that's the modern game. But you know, I thought that aside, I thought he was, I thought it was tremendous. He was assured, and like you say, there was a kind of puffed out moment. It, you know, he could see his chest popping out a little bit with it. It's, it's well, you've got to like about bloody time that we had something slightly in our favour, and yeah, you know, no, no. everything Man U hit didn't didn't go on like didn't quite come together, and you know Rashford, Martial, who was dreadful, Pogba, Greenwood, Fernandez all had bad days at the office. They only had bad days at the office because of how tactically disciplined we were. Did, did um, just on the goalkeeping thing because obviously Solskjaer's got the benefit of replays and whinging little hobbit afterwards going on about it but I don't think Sharp had that much of an impact on De Gea and I didn't really see De Gea complain afterwards he didn't you know, De Gea almost, genuinely just, did, just didn't make it it was almost like they like you were like oh crap what am I going to what am I going to have to do to get out of this one the only thing I would like to say about the commentary you mentioned, Ian, is I actually thought Sutton was all right compared to some of the drops. Yeah, Sutton, Sutton, yeah, Sutton, to be fair, he called. He, he was about to call the United and he corrected himself a few times and he, he got the balance of Sheffield United and Manchester United, which I I appreciated given Jake Humphrey talking to Rio was everything about United afterwards, the budgie. But also... Um, we have to apologise ourselves, don't we? Because uh, according to one of our most loyal listeners, uh, the gaffer himself called me out on it, didn't he, last week when we were talking about uh, Bristol Rovers. I referred to them as Bristol. So oh, yeah. one who supports Bristol Rovers or Bristol City and was mortally offended by me not practising what I preach. <laughs> Uh, I'm very, very, very sorry about that. But I thought Sutton was good. He's got a bit... One thing I would say about Sutton, why has he got a slightly Australian accent? A really, really strange accent. Now, I don't know if that's living in Norwich and Blackburn and Glasgow, and then that's what happens if you put all those three things together. But very, very strange accent. On the, on the subject of Solskjaer, he's kind of learned from the master, hasn't he? In terms of, obviously, he spent that much time under Ferguson. You lose. 
and you deflect blame somewhere else. You blame, yeah. you blame the, you blame the, you blame the press. You blame the ref. You blame the pitch. You blame something. It's classic Alex Ferguson um, kind of deflection tactics. Thing is, with yeah. Ferguson, you believe you believed him, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, you know, he's with it. Where I like, I liked Ian's description of Skull Solskjaer just now, the little hobbit. He just come across as like a mardy little child after the game. Yeah. The difference yeah. as well with Ferguson is no one would dare question him on it. Whereas, as we see in this season, the only manager that's managed to, and it's taken, it took him having a wobbly start like any consistency is, is Guardiola and I think what we're seeing out of all the managers is obviously one one of the big bigger clubs managers lost his job Jurgen Klopp's sort of appealing side you know oh, he's lost the clock because yeah, he's, like he's, that mask slipped his fucking mask slipped on it Arteta looks about five years older than he did when he got the job, uh, you know. And it's only like Guardiola, Mourinho is just being Mourinho and Spurs, unfortunately for them, just haven't quite got the squad to challenge for the title. But like Guardiola, and if you think about how Guardiola's been for 18 months, it's, just, it's quite funny, whereas before, like you say about Ferguson, like you, you wouldn't get people challenging him where all these other managers where... Like you said, a mass slip. People start to question him a lot more, and I think it's funny that 48 hours prior to the game, if not 72, yeah, 72. So they've just beat Liverpool. Are uh, they close to top at League Man United? They get the winning games ugly, etc., etc. We go and do that to them last night, and all of a sudden, the narrative of their seasons changed completely again. And um, it's, it's it's such a fascinating season for that, but Solskjaer just didn't. It just it, that sort of response just screams somebody who knows that they're up against it, and it and it, it looks amateurish and out of your depth. Oh, two bad green decisions against us. Now, if you're challenging for title, you beat the side at the bottom of the league comprehensively. You get an early goal, you steamroll them three 0 All the top teams in history to win titles would have done that to us comfortably last night as unfortunately we might, we'll get on to in a bit we might see on Saturday but yeah Solskjaer not for me I don't think he's for many Man United fans right, can I throw another topic into the mix yeah can I throw another topic into the mix and flick it back to United David McGoldrick the worst forward ever seen in the Premier League as a 48,000 uh, follower Patreon subscriber Tactical Times uh, account claimed last night. I mean, I mean if, if, you, if you're paying if you're paying a Patreon subscription, I mean, I know people obviously may disagree with with what we say, but this is this is not costing anyone anything. If you're paying a Patreon subscription to to listen to that, I would suggest. Well, someone's you have, Yeah, you have, you need to look at where you're spending your money, or you've got some money. I mean, to, it, it, he said, he said, I've got, um, I admit it, I saw a tweet afterwards, I haven't seen much of United and I'm a bit big six centric. Well, if you're a tactical uh, expert and specialist, surely you'd have a view on the way Sheffield United play, given the focus on them last season and the how central Didzy is to, to, to the way in which we play. I mean, just as bad takes go. Well, if you, if you want a decent. 
soldiers as well. If he's taking his pick last night, he was majestic. I don't know how he can potentially. I don't know how he can form that opinion after seeing McGoldrick last night because he knitted everything together. He was superb. That's what he's been like for eighteen months. Yeah, he also he dropped into that left-hand side channel, which again probably helped with how Fleck played, how Brian played, and Padu. Because when when McGoldrick drops deep, he tends to be that he drifts more to the left. That is one of the most ridiculously poor takes, right? Because if he's a tactical and analyst, as he's claiming, surely he understands football in the sense of XG and things like that. Now, McGoldrick didn't deliver on his XG last year. Right? He still was a, a player who was able to progress the ball, yet contribute largely to those chances being created. And I think friend of the pod, Macca, said, didn't he, today, this shows that if you look at football through spreadsheets and not through your eyes, you're a complete and utter fucking idiot. I've said before, in my whatever it is, 40 years of watching United, he's up there with the best footballers I've ever seen at United. I would agree in with terms that. Of, in terms of you know, how he sees the game, what he does, the, how intelligent he is, the little touches. He's, he's got a... He's got a bit of the Teddy Sheringham's about him for me. Teddy Sheringham's as, as good a forward as good a forward as I've ever seen. You know, never going to be prolific, but in terms of intelligence and what he does, McGoldrick's up there for me. So speaking of speaking of strikers and intelligence, then the elephant in the room, we've got to talk about um, a certain Oliver Burke, haven't we? Can I just raise on behalf of my client the statement made at the start of this pod? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to I'm going to recuse myself from this uh, from this discussion. I will actually say, I didn't think Burke did much when he came on yesterday, despite the fact that the game was screaming out for him first half. Apart from score, he wasn't, he didn't do a lot. I think there was, I think there was three or four phases of play he was involved with and and two of them were around the goal. Before he scores the goal, he hits what can only be described as a complete and utter pathetic shot straight at the Man U defender. It's the fact they're arrogantly trying to play the ball out from the back rather than clear it, which presents him with the second chance, which was possibly going wide. Um, I don't think I think it was on target, but... But the point is, technically, he's Dan, he's right. He hasn't got it, but that's why he plays for us. What I thought was interesting as well, there was an opportunity where he got one-on-one with Matic. Now, I fancy my... I reckon me and Matic in 50 yards, I wouldn't be too far away. Why he didn't just knock it round him? I have no idea. Tried to, like, do a bit of skill. But all I would say is, and Chris Sutton, and this is, again, why I'll shine some praise on Sutton, just briefly to go back to McGoldrick, was very complimentary. Uh, Oh. Jesse Lingard gone to, Man- gone to West Ham. All right. That puts a lid on that one then. Yeah. Uh, in good Nick won't need to get his tattoo. Um, but the... Um, sorry. In good Nick had said that if we signed Lingard, he was going to get a picture of him tattooed on his body, I think. Um, but like Sutton was saying that Burke's just terrifying pace and he couldn't believe he wasn't playing. And, and it did ultimately... He, he, he did get that goal. Now, you would argue he was always going to score one at some point if he kept being on the pitch in our side, but what a way to break your Premier League duck and also get that idea of being in a team that's... It's like the, the, the Bale stat 
all those years ago that Spurs never won when Bale had been on the pitch or started or whatever it turned into. Burke got that monkey off his back and, and fair play to him. When he spoke afterwards, did anyone else think he would sound different to that? Oh, yeah, I've, I found it incredibly rewarding to score the goal at Old Trafford. I'm ex- He's brought up in Nottingham, hasn't he? He's got a really deep Nottingham accent. But, but yeah. slightly posh. It was like listening to Stuart Broad. That's who can, he- can I clarify my position on Burke? Um, I, I, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm still saying I don't think he's very good, but I don't actually want him to fail. And, uh, you know, it's, I've only, I never want anyone to fail at United, whether I, whether I think they're any good or not. I'd love him to, 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 to get 30 this season and prove me completely wrong. Um, it's, that's just, it's, it's not a personal thing. I don't think he's, you know, I don't think he's very good, but I don't want him to fail. There's only, in, in my entire time watching United, there's only one player. I can never recall that. I never wanted to, to, to do well for us and wanted to fail from the moment I'm getting that Dean came to the club. No, no. Once he was here, yeah, I thought he was shit. No. Um, Marlon King is the only oh, player we've ever played for us that I've ever wanted to fail just because of what a fucking abhorrent human being he is. What, what, what observation I make on Burke, just on just on um, getting away from Marlon King. <laughs> um <laughs> But going back to Burke, I thought it, it, the fact he was in the position to take that chance, and yes, he didn't hit a great first shot, but what he did was he, he stayed in that space. And like you say, Man United backed off. Uh, Twan Zabie had, had, had stepped back. They were they were they were seemingly a little bit chasing shadows, trying to, as we played a little deep little triangle. I was kind of like going, oh, which I was probably getting frustrated by playing it patient. But what it meant was it just opened up, and he just held his position, took a touch, yeah took the shot I mean I just want to see us take get into that position and, and take the shot because you know we got a bit of luck and it went in see, first half just to throw a different example Fleck was going down that left side and I'm thinking it's opening up for John Fleck on his left foot 18-20 yards out just on the edge of the back. have a pet have a pop from there it was opened up for him and then he tried sliding a ball wide left that didn't come off and it was like just when we get into good positions what have we got to lose at the minute is that's always been Fleck's issue. Like we've all been saying for four and a half years, I wish he'd if he's got a few more goals. And I think be interested and probably a bit sad actually to listen to our pre-season or end of last season review pre-season predictions pods we did. And I think we all said if Fleck can get a few goals, he'll be our player of the season. He, he if he plays anything like last season. But it's weird. We are, however, we're halfway into the season, and last night was the first time we saw the real John Fleck, wasn't it? It's interesting, Dan, when you say you don't want anyone to fail, I know, like me and Ian, obviously, with who do the Twitter, probably stir it up a little bit, like with a hyperbole, but we, none of us want any of that. And what I think that came across last week when we, um, like when we talked about the players that we might move on and we might refresh, and I feel like despite Norwood, who we all agreed on, Sharp, Stevens obviously didn't play, who I said, Fleck. Basham and Billy all last night were fantastic and it's not like we're like oh well they've made us look idiots we're delighted we want to see anyone who plays for United do really well and be successful something in that John the old guard the old guard last night were the ones and and Count Jagielka obviously in that they were showing the younglands up a little bit in terms of that concentration for 90 minutes that we haven't had because a lot of the time it's been concentration that's affected us that's let us down 
Can I just point out about Phil Jagielka as well? People have been talking about it like we had fucking Captain Tom at centre half last night. He's seven years younger than me. <laughs> Captain I'm Tom. Me. <laughs> ITV on Sunday night about half past four as the winter's coming in. Oh, Captain Tom's on on Sunday. Oh, is it? Right. No, in all seriousness, though, Jags, wow. If you think back to the 125 years, the last time we had the celebration, yeah, 125 years celebrations where we had the white kit the year after and all that stuff and they had the big dinner and Jags was voted our greatest ever player, obviously, before returning. When you think back to Jaggy Elka performances, people remember, obviously, the goal against Leeds and things like that. But now when people talk about Phil Jaggy Elka in his Sheffield United career, they'll talk about last night. And rightfully so. That's about the size of the achievement last night, isn't it? Because I don't think any team was written off as much as we were and got a result in the same way we did last night. Yeah. By us as well. I can't, think of, I can't think of anything in recent history. Well, they said before the game, didn't they? United's team last night was worth 21 million and 18 and a half of that was the goalkeeper. <laughs> it's staggering. It's frightening. It's frightening. Well, it's worth a lot more, but uh, yeah, we paid 18 million for it, I guess. I'd add it all value. Fees. Yeah, transfer fees, yeah. It's just crackers. What I would like to say as well about about before the game, I, I tweeted, I'm confused. Are we in wild do we trust or do we just berate the players before a ball's kicked? Because it's, what, what, what I'm starting to notice, and I don't know um, about any of you, I'm very much the opinion it's more than acceptable to be critical of performances and, and be supportive but be pissed off but the people who claim and it's ridiculous you've got to get behind them tend to be the same ones who are straight in saying with that defence we're going to get hammered and I just think we need to as as fans and I hope we learn from last night with a bit of perspective because we I put on the official Four Blades Twitter official, like there's, an, like there's an unofficial account. Have we got a blue tick? Do <laughs> an unofficial one. But I put, just remember we play Man United and try and enjoy it. And I did watching the game is I enjoyed it because I remembered we were playing Man United and I had no expectation. Why? Like we had no right to win that game. And that's why when we did and in the manner we did and the fact that all all the players that we ourselves have called out and lots of other fans have called out and obviously questions over the manager's tactics recently and naivety and we were questioning those in our group chat like why is he not playing someone quick when we need to get out almost added to how enjoyable it all was kind of reminds you why you love football doesn't it Absolutely. And, and like you say, Phil, that, that heartbeat, that sort of kicking every ball, heart racing, this is a good for my health feeling, providing it's not every week. And heaven forbid if we won about four, four or five games out of the next six or seven, how many games like that we might have before the end of the season. I'm not trying to get too ahead of myself. But it's just it, it's just amazing. And people like Billy Sharp, people like Phil Jagielka, people like Chris Basham, Ollie Norwood, John Fleck. I wouldn't obviously put in that discussion Keen Bryan, but it's like that who have been, who not just have been our legends at United, who've had so much criticism doing the business for us. It was absolutely brilliant. So do you think uh, do you think it's worth us trying to nominate a man of the match? 
Um, yeah, one minute each. I know which one I'm who I'm going to go with, and I'm going to go on a, a different angle. Um, who are you going to go with, Ian? Have you got one? I'm. I could. I could go. There's. I think one or two obvious candidates. I'll go with the man who I talked about last week as in the final section of the players that are at risk of moving on because I said the way he proves he's not is by upping his performances at the end of the season and I thought John Fleck last night in 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 that three-man midfield was a key part of our victory last night. We saw him driving forward, we saw him working hard defensively. We had a balance on that left side and as you alluded to earlier, we, John Fleck is a key part of us having that balance, not just having a settled centre-back and a, you know, an understanding that across left midfield, left left centre-back, left wing-back. But, yeah, I, I just, for me, it, it pleased me. Having, having got myself all a bit overwrought, nominated him in that last section to the week, it, it made it made me feel nice and warm to see John Flake being John Flake. Mm. Yeah, cool. I can't argue with that. I, and, and on the same vein, I could quite easily go for Basham. I put Basham in last last week for one of the players that needed to move on, but he was equally outstanding yesterday. I'm not. I'm gonna I'm gonna go for a player I've been quite critical of for quite a while, and we've talked about him briefly, and that's Ethan Ampadu. I think he was alongside Jagielka key to us winning that game yesterday. I thought that, I mean, it's hard to pick one player out, but I thought he not only broke the play up really well, but he used the ball really intelligently all game. He won headers that he probably had no right to win at times. And he looked every bit the superstar that we supposed to assign. And when all their fans told us he was their best player or our best player, should I say. Obviously, I didn't see the game last night, but in the spirit of balance, of light and shade, of yin and yang, of cannon and ball, I'm going to nominate Ollie Burke. <laughs> you, you'll do for me, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> Rock on. I've spent months digging him out, so I'm going to give him man of the match last night. No idea whether he played well or not, uh, but I'm going to give him man of the match, just to prove I'm not a completely, just to prove I'm not a full weight twat. <laughs> not sure how much that dispels that moving down but good on you um, baby steps mate baby steps uh, for me it, it's very hard obviously all three mentioned there fair enough but um, I think I'm going to go I'm going a bit outside the box and I touched on it earlier and I just want to come back to it and, and that's I'm going to pick one that's not been mentioned at all and that's Baldock coming in from the cold in the game who was taken off for Man U? Martial and Tellez. The reason they got took off is there was no joy to be had down that right-hand side because as much as Bogle's exciting, even though last night when he came on, he was very quiet because obviously he was doing a lot of defending out of position. George has become a very, 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 very good Premier League defender. And I think it's real. some of our fans have been incredibly harsh on him this season. And I personally still think he's our best, been our most consistent player throughout the season. Yeah, he's missed the odd chance, but he's a right back. He's not there to score goals. And yeah, we did do the pod about him putting it in less than someone with severe erectile dysfunction. But I'd just say, I'd just say George was fantastic. And it's no coincidence that Tellez and Martial got, in Martial's case, he was dreadful absolutely dreadful and when we and when we drove the game forward in the second half Baldock's pace was terrifying 
He was he was fabulous. He, he and 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 oh, I just think he's great. I I, have, I always have, and I, I think last night and not having him in the team and seeing him again proves that. And I've gone over my minute allocation. Sorry. We're putting that to a vote. Do you think we should? Yeah, I'll put that as a vote. Yeah, which of those four? I think and, you should put a bit of a caveat that Jagielka got one of the match on telly and deserved it, but we've we've nominated four different players. And uh, but but the the, the the notion that Jagielka's walking around today like forty odd drill me when I did a marathon the day after I'd only done a marathon <laughs> in five hours. <laughs> Is is nonsense. <laughs> he he worked bloody hard, bless him. But come on. Earlier, do you think he'll start against City now? Do you think he'll start Jagielka against City now? Now Egan's back. <laughs> Not a cat in hell's chance. He'll still be able to <laughs> Saturday afternoon. Well, he might ask him if he fancies it. And Jags will probably say, to be honest, I'm alright. I'm alright, like Gaffer. <laughs> I suppose. I don't know what you. I know we like to. We like. Be honest. If... <laughs> yep. I was just going to say all I was going to say oh, I've lost my train of thought go on John all I was going to say um, we sp- at the beginning of the pod we said once in a lifetime victory at Old Trafford and also once in a lifetime we often break this up I think it's a nice segue there straight into just discussing Saturday uh, to make it like a one take pod once in a lifetime one take and um, what do you think Ian will happen on Saturday <laughs> I have a feeling there's a revert to the norm and that's not being unduly negative. It's been realistic, I think. You know, I, Wilder said last night we had to play at 100% of our game and near a perfect game from everybody last night to get that result. Um, I saw another stat that, again, it's based on game analysis, but basically saying our back three, I think played at, you know, 95%. You know, if you looked on the, the stats of 95% of the best they could be, that unfortunately isn't sustainable. And and, we, and coming into these two games, if you'd have told me we'd get a point from these two games, I'd have snapped your hands off and then looked ahead and say, right, we could try and get something positive out of the performances. A point would be wonderful. And then we focus on the rest of the games and try and make the best of what we've got. The fact we've got three is great. I just, I just think City are so much more solid at the back, so much more... They've got more enterprise, more initiative than Manchester United showed last night, and that that even with Egan coming back in, I think we'll I think we'll feel some tired bodies, and we clearly haven't got the the bench of the squad to to easily switch that around enough for Saturday. The thing is, both these games were essentially a free swing, weren't they? Yeah. Anything anything we got out of these games, even even had we come out of these games with two one nil defeats, we'd have all said that ain't bad. So the fact, like you said, that we've got three points from the Man United game makes the City game even more of a free hit. You know, providing we don't get destroyed, then we're better off than we assumed we would be coming out coming out of these two games. So that can work in our favour in a big way as well, though, because there's there's almost no pressure on us. Uh, then and part around Ramsdale's interview last week was saying we're, we're our elite mentality doesn't allow us to think like that. We think that we're in this level. At, we're at this level against these players for a reason. Therefore, we've got a chance to beat them. So they'll not kind of see it as a, as a free hit, like we perhaps as fans might see it. But I don't know, Ian, you talk about can our players continue with that 95% perfect game consistency? City scored five the other night. Do we think that they can continue with that or not? 
Fair point. Fair question. They've got it. They've got it to be able to do it, haven't they? But yeah, and and they've got the options to to switch it round and still do it. I guess it's weird, City, though, because they've gone from when we played them last. Particularly, there was something in that game for us all the way till the very end of getting control of a game and then seeing it out and winning games one and two nil. And in terms of improving their team, like the unrounding comment would be that. Diaz and Stones have settled at the back and that's why they're top of the league whereas they've actually scored quite a lot of goals and obviously Gundogan's in the form of his life uh, the most Spanish looking German of all time um, he's he's in every or Turkish pardon? or Turkish well I think he, I thought he looks quite so, Spanish Had anyway I thought I thought he was finished <laughs> no, he's twenty. Oh, no, I, do, I, I think he is twenty-seven. He. It was more of a reference oh, though, to that, like Iniesta's Zavi sort of midfield play, where he seems to be everywhere in everything good Man City does, uh, and the fact he's got a nice big beard. But anyway, I digress. City, City are in great form, but I think what will be interesting, again, going back to that idea, breaking the games down and looking at them as right. If we. Can we keep them out for 20 minutes? Then can we keep them out for half an hour? Can we get to half time? Are we going to get a chance? Now, what I would say as well is last season, if you think about the game at the Etihad, yes, we had better players available. We had a in, quite informed Moussa, who scored a very narrow goal, if you remember, and Robinson, who was quite a good player to have in those sort of games, I think. Um, does, does Wilder trump everyone? And start with Brewster and Burke, and and because people might be expecting the same thing, I don't know. I'd say that we've got not got a cat in hell's chance unless McGoldrick plays, because I don't see how we get an outlet. But I think I think yesterday was the blueprint. We've got to aim to play the way we played yesterday. And mm, Ian's right. So. City are going to have more endeavour and oh, sorry, Sam and Nigel Adkins again, aren't I? And, and well, that's two, oh, that's two Nigel Adkins references tonight. <laughs> How to take the edge off a celebratory pod? We need, what we need to do is play one four four two tomorrow against City. That's what we need. <laughs> <laughs> That's the that was always the one that got me. Of course, you. Oh right, thanks for letting us know, Nigel, that you're playing a goalkeeper for crying out loud. What we'd have we have done without that information? <laughs> you know what, what? What last night's result and obviously the, this weekend's game does. And it's 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 great, but it's kind of made you think. What if you know? If if you look now, you know we're what are we? Are we three points behind West Brom? We're on eight. They're on eleven. Yeah. And you think back yeah. to the the silly points we've thrown away this season. You know, West Brom themselves battered them for essentially ninety minutes and ended up losing. Fulham at home battered them for most of the game and ended up only getting a point. Throwing that point away against Leicester in the last minute. Conceding mm-hmm. the last minute goal to Brighton. You know, you, you're looking at seven, eight, nine more points there that we've thrown away that we, at the time, we didn't think would be that important because we were so bad. But now you add that onto it, we're, we're suddenly on 16, 17 points and we're, we're well in it. Well, the, thing, the, the more annoying thing as well is you look at Newcastle, they're in complete free fall. Like, complete free fall. Brighton, I don't know if you watch Match at Day, couldn't score in a brothel provided with the full encouragement, instruction manual on everything to do and all the Viagra 
they could possibly need. They were woeful. Mopai, Mopai looked like he'd been taking shooting lessons off McBurney earlier in the season. He couldn't do anything right. It was, it was dreadful. The only worrying thing is West Brom and Newcastle, unfortunately, were probably up Brighton. Have they got too many? There's 17 points. There's probably it's just like you say, Dan. It's maybe just a little bit too too late. And what if? That's sad, isn't it? After such an upbeat pod. Well, well, what a different turn from a few weeks ago as well, though. Where you couldn't see a way out of it. And it's amazing, like you say. A once-in-our-lifetime result. I, I, I love this, by the way. The only Yorkshire team ever to win at Old Trafford as well, by the way. just I think that's worth mentioning. Yeah, that's a mad stat, that. I, know, I couldn't yeah. believe that when I heard it. Considering how good the Leeds League. were for a, for a period, yeah. you thought they would have taken some at Old Trafford at some stage, wouldn't you? Yeah. And throw into, throw into the mix... It's always funny to think that at one time Middlesbrough thought they were part of Yorkshire. <laughs> In... <laughs> like, I always remember when we lost to Hull at Wembley and uh, somebody claimed that uh, a Hull fan shouted at our good friend Mr Casbolt, we're the best team in Yorkshire. And Matt's like, actually, I think you'll find Humberside is a completely separate county to Yorkshire and has been from since the following date, et cetera, et cetera. But it's, it's just a bonkers stat, absolute bonkers stat. And I think, as we said at the start, once in a lifetime, phenomenal. And it, not to be too deep, imagine what it would have been like to be there. I know, that's the worst thing, isn't it? Once in a lifetime. It was. It was quite. It, it Luke needs to put a talking head, talking heads outro on it. Yeah, yeah. What a band! But last but not least, then predictions for Saturday. It's pod nice and snappy. What we're saying, Phil. I think we're going to get B two 0 and I would take that as well. Believe it or not, Dan. One one. Wow, would be something very special indeed, Ian. Uh, I I fear a bit Saturday I think we could lose it could be a heavy defeat 3-0 I'm loving Dan's optimism but I'm I'm going to go balls to the wall I'm going to go extreme prediction we're going to win 1-0 and Brooke is going to score specifically uh, in front of the the bell end and he it's just gonna. He's gonna do a little celebration, like he's got his headphones on. It's gonna be magic, and unlike last night, we'll actually be able to properly celebrate on Saturday because we don't have to get up for work on Sunday. I'll do for me. I'll take that. I've had a long day at work today, and I'm feeling um, I'm feeling very tired and clearly disillusioned if I'm coming out of stuff like that. But there we go. Can, can I just ask? When you said he's scoring in front of the bell end, does that mean Mark the Pitsmore Owl's been allowed in to watch his other team? <laughs> What had he put on Twitter to just defend on something something serious that it was interesting how much we were celebrating beating Manchester United? From I the, believe it was. Oh, from, the, from the club who probably is set to release like the 25 or 30 year anniversary of the League Cup final on, on Blu-ray and sell it for £100 because it was the last time that they are. Oh, God, go away. Look, the way things are going, they're releasing a celebratory DVD of Cakeball. So, <laughs> this season's celebratory DVD will be Jamie Vardy scoring against us. Yeah, it will, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, if they want to celebrate that, that's fine. But 
Dominic Calvert-Lewin's took the mick out of them several times over the last couple of years, so they need to be careful what they wish for. Lads, it was a great win, and that was a really, really, really enjoyable talking about it. Uh, good luck with the legal case, Dan. Thank you. Uh, and we no further comment. No, I mean, I don't know how Matt, I don't know if Man of the Match awards really dig you out, but you've made your peace with it and I'm and I'm glad but it was it was great to talk that through lads I think it was a magic magic thing to see last night and you do never know and I'm sure we'll all watch it on Saturday and listeners I'm not offering you any money back if you do put five pounds on one nil blades with a booster goal it was really my prediction don't take it as gospel we're not a betting podcast but if anyone wants to sponsor us just give us a call <laughs> We've got a legal department, as you know. Right, take care. Uh, take care. <laughs> so we're take away. Take, take care. And uh, as always, boys. Put the blades. Put the blades. If you go to a pub in Ireland, you have to have a song. And if you don't have a song, you may as well not put the pub on. I've changed the Murray, by the way. So if anybody wants to buy me a Murray, right. Well, I'd say Peroni as well. <laughs> <laughs>